Okay, here we go with <laughs> chapter six. On Christmas Eve, Louis allows himself a bit of a lion, staying warmly cocooned in bed for an extra 40 minutes before he finally gets up and dressed. When he gets to the cottage, he's surprised to find Harry waiting for him by the front door with Clifford. He's wearing comfy sweats and trainers and the dog's leash already in his hand. It's a lot earlier than his usual walk time, despite Louis's lazy morning and he can't help but wonder what dragged him up so prematurely. Louis doesn't have to wait very long for an answer because as soon as Harry sees him, his face brightens and he crosses the distance between them in two quick strides, reaching for Louis and wrapping him in a big hug. Happy birthday, he says, voice warm and rumbling in Louis's ears. It's a good hug, Louis thinks a bit distantly as he settles into it. Harry is rubbing his back slowly, not letting go of him even when they've been at it far longer than a simple birthday wish requires. He's a soft presence against Louis's body and he closes his eyes, enjoying it for a second longer before he lets go, still blushing a little when he steps away. With the exception of that one time Harry fell apart in his arms, the angle of their embrace all wrong, they've never really touched. Not like this, not properly. Louis isn't sure he wants to think about why he liked it so much. I was hoping you'd forgotten, he admits in a mumble, chasing thoughts of Harry's body solid and warm against his. Please tell me you didn't wake up early for me. I couldn't bear it. Harry laughs. Should I lie? He asks with a small shrug. Louis groans in response, tilting his head back. All I wanted for Christmas this year is for people not to make a fuss. That's all I wanted. Harry is still laughing by the time Louis is done with his little speech. You don't have some terrible surprise prepared for me, do you? Louis asks, suspicious. I really don't, Harry replies. Promise. But since it is Christmas Eve, my sponsor's with family and everything, so I'm not calling today. I just thought maybe you'd like company on your run? Seems silly for both of us to go on a run or walk a few hours apart, especially on your birthday. Unless you want to be by yourself just company right no surprise louis takes the time to make sure narrowing his eyes at harry in a defiant way harry doesn't seem particularly threatened by louis's intensity in fact he just laughs again i promise i mean what kind of surprise could i even orchestrate on this island there's like nothing here i'll help you bake a cake and cook dinner if you want but that's about as far as surprises go louis nods good then he smiles all right then let's go he says hitting harry on the chest gently on his way out starting to jog straight away it doesn't take very long for harry to catch up with him both of them running at the same pace there hasn't been any snow this year not yet but the grass is still frosty this early in the morning in a pale imitation of winter that doesn't quite cut it still louis can't remember the last time he's had a white winter so it's not like he's feeling like he's missing out much though there is something satisfying about the way the grass crunches beneath their feet as they jog their way along the cliffs. Usually, Louis listens to music in the morning and misses it entirely. Today, though, in the darkness, he gets to enjoy every sound and feeling this morning has to offer. The waves below, Harry breathing beside him, Clifford's paws hitting the ground, the frozen patch of earth beneath their feet. It's strange to think it's Christmas already, it seems it was only yesterday that Louis first caught a glimpse of Harry in the distance, yet he has integrated himself to the lighthouse seamlessly, the way no other guest has before. He's been here for months now, 
months Louis normally spends completely alone, and yet he still hasn't found his presence irritating. It's weird, but Louis certainly won't question it. Soon enough, they get to the beach and take a small break from running. Can I ask you how old that makes you? Harry asks, reaching inside the pocket of his jacket for a tennis ball and throwing it on the other side of the beach for Clifford to fetch. Louis gasps, getting a dainty hand on his chest in mock offense. How dare you? It's rude to ask a lady for her age. A lady? Is that what you are? Harry says sarcastically. Oi, I resent the implications. Louis shakes his head before passing a hand through his unruly hair. It's a losing battle, what with the wind, but he's never going to stop fighting it. I'm 27. I'm turning 25 in February, Harry reveals. I knew you were younger than me, Louis jokes. You've got that glowing skin of a youngin. And acne still, Harry huffs, looking mortally offended. Whoever said that disappears after your teens deserves to be shot. Oh, trust me, I know. Well, not personally, Louis says with a wink, a bit cheeky. Glad the darkness is mostly hiding it. But my oldest sister's waiting to make up in skincare and she has issues. I've heard the rant. It's just really unfair, Harry says, motioning over his shoulder like his flipping not, his non-existent long hair. We did our time, he adds just as Clifford comes running back to him, wagging his tail and giving him the tennis ball. You did such a good job, Harry whispers to him, grabbing the ball and throwing it away again. So, he finally says, looking back at Louis, how does it feel? How does what feel? 27. Ugh. Louis rolls his eyes. I hate that question. Harry snorts. Well, I'm sorry. I'm making conversation. No, I know. It's just, it feels exactly the same, doesn't it? You're just, you still. It's just one more day. I mean, you're turning a quarter of a century in what, a month? Wait, when is your birthday exactly? February 1st, Harry offers, sounding a little confused by Louis's rant. Right, so, in about a month, quarter of a century, supposedly a big one, but it's all going to feel the same as before. Harry smiles a little sadly, and here I was expecting my whole life would magically change. Harry, I'm joking, he says. I mean, there's a lot about my life I've changed, and I'm still working towards changing. I'm not naive enough to think some silly milestone is just going to do that for me. He looks pensive for a second, eyes fixed on the dark horizon. Then he says, How great would that be, though, to suddenly reach an age and bam, you've got all the grown-up answers. Well, Louis says, nudging his arm gently. I'm turning 30 relatively soon, so fingers crossed, right? Harry looks down, still carrying that sadness, that burden, that exertion he always does. Yeah. They stay on the beach for a lot longer than Louis usually does, ending up sitting down on the sand with Clifford sprawled between them, giving him belly rubs and smiling shyly at each other when their fingers bump into each other's on the skin. They talk about past birthdays and Christmases, an unspoken agreement to keep the memories happy and light passing between them. Harry makes Louis laugh so hard with tales of his 21st birthday and the wild L.A. party involved that he thinks he might throw up. At some point, Louis shares the story of when he decided to run away for his ninth birthday because his littlest siblings were being too loud for his sensitive ears, and since he was the Prince of Christmas, he didn't have to tolerate it. My mom had to pick me up from the train station, Louis reveals, laughing so hard he can hardly keep going.
She did not, Harry squeaks. I told her I was moving to the North Pole where they would respect my reign as the supreme leader of the holiday season. <laughs> That's fucking adorable. <laughs> well, of course, it's me we're talking about. Louis jokes, deflects, trying to suppress the warmth pulling low in his belly. They watch the sunrise in silence, and Louis is almost moved to tears. Not by the sight of the world awakening, but by Harry's reverence to it. He looks at the sunrise with wide eyes, body fully still, as he experiences it like a sacred moment. Like he feels lucky he's here at all to witness it. Like he's thankful for the opportunity. It is so beautiful, Harry whispers, only breaking the silence when the sun has finished rising. Louis never thought he'd meet anyone who gets this place the way he does. Back at the lighthouse, they eat crepes for breakfast with a mountain of fruits and homemade whipped cream. Louis unable to stop laughing when Harry gets cream all over his face in his enthusiasm to eat a tongue first. When they're done, Harry insists on washing the dishes, giving Louis such a stern look that he doesn't have it in him to argue. Instead of helping, Louis grabs his laptop from the bedroom and makes his way to the top of the lighthouse. There's meal prep to go through if they want to eat a proper roast at some point for Christmas, but it's his birthday and it's late enough that most of his siblings must be awake now. He doesn't want to be fussed over, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to see his family. Almost all of his family are squished together to fit on the screen when Louis Skypes them, and the knowledge that they were probably just waiting next to their mom's laptop for him to get online almost brings tears to his eyes. It's a ki- it's a ki- ki- chaotic... <laughs> It's a chaotic call. All Skype calls with his family are. The girls shouting over each other to be heard, but Louis loves every second of it. They sing happy birthday to him and telling him all about their holiday plans. And soon they've calmed down a little, all of them chatting in turns about what's going on in their lives at the moment. By the time Mary joins him on the top of the lighthouse with two massive mugs, Daisy is telling a story about one of her exams. Oh, Harry whispers, looking caught and uncomfortable. He steps backward towards the stairs and Louis widens his eyes. Careful, he says, suddenly scared he's going to fall and the laptop becomes completely silent. Louis, his mom calls from the speaker. Yeah, yeah, Louis says, looking back at the screen. Sorry, Harry just came in and I thought he was going to fall down the stairs for a second there. He is a bit clumsy. He says the last part fondly, looking up from the laptop and at Harry with a smile. It falls as soon as he catches a glimpse of Harry's face. He's holding his shoulders like he's trying to hide and doesn't know where to go, eyes wide with a deer cotton headlights look on his face. Oh, Jay exclaims, completely unaware of the discomfort in the room. Is that your guest? Can we say hi? Can we wish him a happy Christmas? Harry, as impossible as it may seem, looks even more uncomfortable at the suggestion. He gulps, color completely draining from his face. Then he gives Louis a panicked look and shakes his head. Louis frowns but doesn't question it. Instead, he smiles down at his mom. He's a bit shy, actually, and we kind of had plans to watch a movie, so I'll call you later, all right? Oh, of course, darling. We'll let you enjoy your birthday now. They say goodbye, lots of voices joining in to wish him a happy birthday one last time before Louis turns Skype off. You didn't have to hang up because of me. Harry says, remaining frozen in place. I didn't. The conversation died down. 
Louis doesn't know why he lies like this, but he can't help the thrumming beneath his skin, the overwhelming desire to protect Terry's feelings. I'm sorry, I... I just... Harry swallows hard, eyes blinking fast like maybe he's going to cry. His breathing is a bit too fast for comfort, and for a second, Louis thinks this might be the beginning of a panic attack. It's just that I... I, I can't. Harry... Louis says softly, getting up from the bench. He walks towards the lost boy in the middle of the room, palms offered and surrender so Harry knows they're coming when Louis places them gently on his shoulders. You don't have to explain. They're strangers. You don't have to say hi to them if that's difficult for you. Harry nods. Thanks, he whispers, and Louis wonders if maybe he's an agoraphobic or something like that. If it's anxiety about people that drove him to drinking. It was hard to cope without it now. For what feels like the thousandth time, Louis minds himself it's none of his business. Harry sniffs. I made you hot chocolate, he says after a beat, holding the mugs up. For your birthday. Louis squeezes Harry's shoulders once, then lets go of him. Thank you, Harry. That's very kind. It's nothing. No, it's not. Thank you, Louis insists, grabbing one of the mugs and giving the hot chocolate a sniff looks delicious. All right, Harry says awkwardly. Well, I'll leave you to it then. To what? Harry blinks. To call your family back? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that now. I love them, but they're a lot. I was just going to watch a movie. Want to join? Louis tilts his head towards the bench. Harry purses his lips for a second. Then he asks, what movie? Well, since it's Christmas, I usually watch Love Actually, which is very soft and cheesy of me, but you're not allowed to laugh. Harry doesn't laugh. Instead, he smiles wildly, dimples fully out. I love Love Actually. It's one of my favorite movies. Perfect, Louis says, walking back to the bench, putting his hot chocolate on his chest next to his laptop and grabbing a blanket bunched up on the side. Go on then, he encourages when he notices Harry hasn't moved yet fluffing the blanket and tilting his head towards the bench. Harry obediently moves across the room, sitting down in the middle of the bench right in front of the laptop. Then he takes a small sip of his hot chocolate. Louis waits until he's done, silently telling him to put his mug aside with his eyebrows before throwing the blanket over Harry's lap, making sure he's entirely covered. Then he slides in next to him under the wool throw and reaches for the laptop. At some point during the film, Harry finally relaxes and Louis feels it where their bodies are touching, the way he seconds it bit by bit until he's fully comfortable. When Emma Thompson opens her Christmas present, Harry starts crying a little, turning to his face and Louis's shoulder. Louis stiffens at first, heart skipping a beat, a tad confused at what's happening, but he adapts quickly, wrapping an armor on Harry's body and rubbing his back comfortingly. It's only when the movie ends that they fully untangle themselves from each other. They spend the afternoon baking a cake together that Harry insists has to be pink, laughing in the kitchen as they listen to Christmas music, making a proper mess of the whole place. Harry accidentally spills some flour all over Clifford, transferring Louis's dog into a little winter elf, his dark fur now white. Harry looks at least contrite, and he's the one who spends 40 minutes washing Clifford with a bucket outside while the cake is in the oven. With the mess they've made in the kitchen, they decide to focus on cleaning up instead of creating more chaos, agreeing to make the proper roast on Christmas Day, even though Louis initially wanted to enjoy it for his birthday. 
It's more traditional this way though, and they eat a very simple meal instead to celebrate Louis' existence, leaving them with plenty of room to eat almost the entire cake together. They sit outside the lantern room in the cold of the night, freezing their bums off when they're cross-legged on the gallery, bundled up in big jumpers and coats. Louis licks some pink frosting off his fork, feeling that he might be vaguely sick after three slices of cake and feeling rather delighted that he actually feels this way. It's reminiscent of Christmas Eve when he was just a child, devouring any sweet he could get his hands on with the excuse that it was his one and only day and no one would dare stop him. So, bakery work really did rub off on you, Louis teases once he's done, rubbing his belly through layers of clothes. Not bad, right? We did a good job, Harry says with a big smile, a blob of pink icing stuck on his dimple. Louis laughs at the sight, and Harry frowns, looking confused. What is it? Uh, you have... Louis points at it before shaking his head, reaching for Harry's face gently and wiping the frosting away. Oh, Harry says when Louis rubs it on his plate. Well, it's not a proper celebration without a bit of a mess. Oh, I think we got that covered when your clumsy arse decided to die my dog. He was in the way, Harry argues, shoulders straightening as he starts gesticulating. He he cut me off, he explains, illustrating his point with one sweeping movement. It was entirely his fault. He's very disruptive. Louis bites his lower lip, forcing himself not to laugh. Mm-hmm. Your back was turned. You didn't see it. You don't know what happened. I'm telling you, it was his fault. How very easy to blame the creature who can't argue back, Louis jokes, settling a little more comfortably against the tower, tilting his head up to look at the stars. Fuck, the sky is gorgeous here, Louis thinks. To his surprise, Harry doesn't argue back again when Louis chances a glance his way. Not even bothering to turn his head, Harry is staring at him silently. Louis looks away looks back at the stars and waits. Finally, after a few seconds, he glances Harry's way again. What? He finally says. You know what else is necessary for a birthday celebration? Harry asks matter-of-factly. A gift. Nope, Louis protests automatically. He didn't even get Harry a Christmas present. There's no way he's accepting a birthday gift. So obviously I knew about this very last minute and we are rather limited here. So I struggled a lot, thinking about what I could give you. Easy, Louis sings songs, nothing. He raises his eyebrows on the word, a bit cheeky, a bit flirty. Mm, close, Harry says, playing along with the same manic energy, but not quite. He reaches inside his back pocket, wiggling around a little to fit his hand into it without having to get up, and Louis watches him making a complete fool of himself with amusement. Ah, Harry finally says triumphantly, raising his closed fist above his head. Despite not wanting anything, Louis can't help but grow curious, can't help but growing curiosity taking over his mind, especially when Harry turns around to face him, suddenly looking really shy. So obviously, I couldn't really buy you anything and get it shipped in time, but I thought, well, I picked this up the other day just because, and, well... I thought you might like it. Harry opens his hand, and inside is a piece of sea glass, dark blue or green or both. The one he picked up a while ago, or an older one, Louis can't tell. It's really silly, actually, but you know, you love Fair Isle a lot, and this is... I picked it up because it reminded me of you, he admits with honest eyes, wide and as green as the sea glass 
and how could it remind Harry of Louis when looking into it is like looking into Harry's gaze. It reminded me of the color of the sea here, Harry explains, looking down and putting the stone into Louis's hands. It reminded me of... He stops himself, looking back up, straight into Louis's eyes. I picked it up because I thought I'd need a m reminder of what it's like here when I have to go back to my normal life. His voice cracks on the word normal. You should keep it then, Louis says softly, trying to hand it back, but Harry moves away, shaking his head. It's a gift. Louis isn't sure he fully understands the gesture, but he nods anyway, closing his hands into a fist, keeping it safe. Thank you. The week between Christmas and New Year's Eve passes both quickly and slowly at the same time. They barely leave the lighthouse as the temperature drops and drops, a true winter chill taking over the world. In the mornings, they argue over who is going to walk Clifford, and they spend most of their afternoons wrapped in blankets in the tower, Louis reading and Harry writing, and of course, sometimes, Louis reading out loud for them both. There's a new frantic energy to Harry when he jots things down, like maybe something Louis can never understand has unlocked in him and he's in a hurry. He's gotten back to the melancholia too, has lost whatever holiday cheer he had, various shadows and ghosts passing on his face as he scribbles and scribbles. Louis puts his book down sometimes and just stares, looks at him working and wonders. He wonders how long he can get away with watching Harry without getting caught. He wonders what sorts of demons he might be exercising without Louis knowing. He wonders if one day he'll be lucky enough, trusted enough, to know. Sometimes Harry hums under his breath, and it isn't until the night of December 29th that Louis starts thinking anything of it. Louis is still cleaning up the kitchen by himself, lost in thoughts, when suddenly, out of nowhere, he hears soft music coming from the dining room. He pauses, dish rag in hand, hovering over the counter as he takes in the sad ballad. He doesn't know the song, but it feels so achingly familiar at first that he assumes Harry put some music on after dinner. He spends a few seconds trying to piece where he's heard it before, gulping at the slow melancholy of the melody, when suddenly, a voice, deep and raw and soothing, a voice he's come to know so intimately over the past few months that he almost can't believe it at first. Yet somehow, it's like a missing piece of the puzzle suddenly sliding into place. Harry's singing, whispering the words, really, with such intensity that Louis drops the dish rag and takes a step back, physically shocked by what he's hearing. He can't believe he didn't know Harry could do this. He can't believe he didn't know Harry could do this with such warmth and emotion, all of the loneliness of the world suddenly put into a song like maybe it can be made of sense of. And Louis just knows, in one instant, without being able to explain it to himself, that the only reason the song feel, feels familiar is that Harry wrote it, that it's new and precious. Louis tiptoes from the kitchen to the corridor, going all the way up to the door but not managing to gather the courage to walk in, not wanting to disturb, not wanting to interrupt. The moment feels so personal, so tender, as Harry says it all, leaving no stone unturned. He probably has no right to witness it, no right to eavesdrop, but he can't walk away. Louis feels stuck in place, unable to breathe or move, and as if he has to deeply take root somewhere, to tangle himself to a place and a moment with no chance of escape. Then he's happy it's here, in his favorite place on earth, listening to the beautiful soul of a man he cares about. So Louis closes his eyes, pressed against the doorway, listening to Harry's song, stomach 
in knots at the pain, at the beauty, even though he knows Harry at least has a healthy way to express everything he needs to. The music stops, songs fading into silence, and Louis rubs under his eyes, the tips of his fingers wet with tears just as the lights turn off, punching them into darkness. Half past eleven. Just like every other night, they go back in time, modern comforts forgotten until morning. In the dark, Harry's voice seems even deeper than usual. You can come in, you know. He declares, a bit shaky, but not embarrassed. I know you were listening. He sounds caught, but a bit defiant, like Louis would ever say anything negative about such a beautiful expression of Harry's soul. Louis doesn't hesitate for a second before walking in, closing the door behind him, making his way to the piano as his eyes adjust to the darkness, avoiding the inky shapes of tables and chairs until he reaches where Harry sits in front of the piano. You wrote this song, Louis says, still a few steps away. It's not a question. Harry nods. Louis can barely see him in the dark, but it feels like he doesn't need to. It feels like a moment transcending their physical bodies, like maybe they're meeting for the first time, heart to heart, soul to soul. Even without light, even without being able to see his face, Louis can tell his nod is a bit shy. It's kind of what I do, Harry confesses, playing a few notes from a song Louis knows is on a couple of playlists Lottie made for him. Songwriting, he adds unnecessarily. Performing, he pauses. Voice trembling a little, he adds, selling myself. Louis doesn't say anything, waiting in case there's more Harry needs to say tonight. My name isn't Harry Twist, he admits, breath catching as Louis's heart squeezes painfully in his chest. I suspected, Louis admits, reassures, hoping Harry isn't about to beat himself up about it. You didn't seem to wear it very comfortably that first day, he teases. Harry huffs, half a laugh, half a sigh, and at least he doesn't sound like he's going to start crying anymore. It's my stepdad's last name, he confesses. I used to use it to go incognito in hotels and stuff, but then my fan base started knowing every single thing about me and I couldn't anymore. Had to start getting even more ridiculously false names and complicated decoys to avoid a mob. It's a lot more than Louis expected, a lot more than he could have imagined. Yet somehow, it makes all the sense in the world. Of course this is who Harry is. Harry, who, even on his darkest days, when his spirit is subdued, shines like a beacon in the night, like the lighthouse they live in, attracting fans like moths. Of course the whole world saw and wanted a piece. I probably shouldn't have lied at all when I came here, Harry continues, sounding frustrated. I mean, you obviously didn't recognize me, so I don't know what pushed me to... He shakes his head. I guess I was afraid. I needed to be away for a long time. I wanted to be away for a long time. And historically speaking, people who know my real name haven't always used it with the best of intentions. I'm sorry I wasn't honest about it when we became friends, though. Louis sighs, taking one step forward, hand reaching for the back of Harry's neck before he stops himself. I'm the one who's sorry. That sounds really stressful to deal with. At that, Harry laughs. Ugly, better. <laughs> yeah. The silence stretches between them, one Louis isn't willing to break. My real last name is... You don't have to tell me. 
Louis interrupts, needing Harry to understand how inconsequential this all is for him. Are you sure? Harry asks, and now that his eyes are fully adjusted, he can see, see the way that Harry's back muscles are tensed. I'm really famous. How are you going to Google my net worth or all the pap walks I did when I was completely shit-faced if you don't know my real last name? He says it all with so much anger, spews it all out like bullets, and Louis knows none of it is aimed at him, but every single word still hits, and he has to tighten his hand into fists to stop himself from expressing outrage at Harry's expectations, at the way he's clearly been hurt. I don't want to Google you, Louis says through gritted teeth. I know everything that I need to know about you, Harry, and that's what you told me. Then you know more than most, Harry replies in a small voice, vulnerable. And I know how lucky that makes me. I wouldn't jeopardize that. Louis waits for a second, hard in his throat before opening his mouth again. He wishes he didn't have to say it, but he feels like he should. You know you're safe here, right? Louis closes his eyes at the hesitation in his voice. He needs Harry to trust him. He needs Harry to know Louis would never, would never sacrifice him for his own gain. I'm not going to tell anyone. At that, Harry turns around slightly, one leg on each side of the long rectangle bench, hands pressed against the wood, head tilted towards Louis. Of course, he replies, eyes wide. I wouldn't be telling you this if I didn't think so. Louis nods, relieved. Good, he says, more emotional than expected. Good. He tilts his head down, hiding his face despite the darkness before joining Harry on the bench, mirroring his position. I'm listening. Harry gulps, their eyes meet. I don't... After everything that happened, I didn't know if I could do it anymore. I came here feeling so overwhelmed. I was sober for the first time in a long time, and that was scary. Trying to find out if I had anything left to say that mattered enough for me to put myself back out there, back into triggering situations with triggering people. There's a hint of panic in Harry's voice, but he inhales deeply. But I really think I do, he admits. Ever since getting out of rehab, ever since being here, I haven't stopped writing. It's like, it's like I'm me again, and I have so much I want to say. You think? Louis teases, thinking back to the hauntingly beautiful song. Harry, that song. Louis shakes his head, tentatively reaching for Harry's wrist, wrapping his fingers around it and squeezing. It's so beautiful. Harry closes his eyes, face peaceful as he seems to savor the compliment. Then his expression crumbles. I think it's too sad, he confesses. Louis frowns, not understanding. What does that matter, if that's how you feel? It's not too sad, Harry. It's a part of you, and if that's what's inside of you that needs to be said, then I'd say it's just fucking sad enough, yeah? Harry laughs, reaching up to wipe away tears Louis hadn't even noticed falling. I mean, for my label, for my fan base. It's not exactly my brand. They work so hard to keep my fuck-ups out of the media, and I'm, what, going to make an album about it? They're never going to let me. Louis sighs. Does it matter what the label thinks? He lets his thumb rub against the skin of Harry's inner wrist. 
Harry shrugs. I'm under contract, so it really should, but I'm not sure anymore. Louis sighs, deep and devastated, wishing he had anything of substance to say. Any useful advice, but this is beyond him. It's beyond the world he knows. So he just shrugs a bit helplessly, leaning forward at his heart, threatens to beat out of his chest, pressing a small kiss, feather soft, against Harry's temple, whispering the words into his skin. Then I say, don't worry about it for now, yeah? You don't have to know. And it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but with the way Harry's shoulders slump forward and shake, the way he leans into Louis, burying his head in his neck, a sob caught in his chest, Louis thinks maybe no one told him it was okay not to know, to take his time, to think things through in a really long time, maybe ever. Something like fury swirls deep within Louis's chest and wraps his arms around Harry's shoulders, holding him close as the weight of so many people's expectations pours out of him in grief. They spend the last couple of days of the year tiptoeing around each other. Or rather, Harry tiptoes around the lighthouse, a bit skittish now that he shed his skin. There's a mixture of relief and worry threaded into everything he does, and all Louis wants is to prove he's worthy of the trust that he's been placed in him. So he doesn't really mention the fame thing, doesn't ask the hundreds of questions burning on the tip of his tongue. Instead, he doesn't say a single thing, keeps quiet, and lets Harry lead, follows along as they keep to their routine and talk about anything but Harry's revelation. It's blowing Louis's mind a little, though. Not in a way that changes how he perceives Harry, of course not, but in the way it makes everything else click together like puzzle pieces. Like how Harry seems to resent his normal life and fears returning to it. Like how much money he seems to have, all the traveling he's mentioned, like the way he panicked at the thought of a gaggle of young teens saying hi to him on Skype. Louis can't help but feel like, even though he could probably never fully understand, he's got a better idea now of what is weighing Harry down. On New Year's Eve, they eat in the dining room for once, heating up the leftovers from their Christmas dinner, and even Clifford gets some scraps. It's the last end of the year after all, Louis figures. Might as well. Once they're done eating and cleaning up, Louis suggests moving up to the lighthouse tower as they usually do, but Harry gives him a contemplative look before suggesting they have a party. A party? Louis says with a laugh, looking at the empty kitchen around them. What kind of party are you expecting? Harry shrugs. It's New Year's Eve. We have to dance a little, don't you think? And dance they do. They go back to the dining room, pushing tables and chairs out of the way to create some space in the middle of the room. It's a bit ridiculous that they're going through so much trouble just to dance the year off, but once the idea is planted in his mind, Louis can't help but find it appealing. He hasn't been dancing in months, maybe even a year, and he's quite excited about the whole thing. He dims most of the lights while Harry selects a playlist, or makes a new one, most likely, as soon as they're off, letting loose like no one is watching. Neither of them is a particularly good dancer, it turns out. Harry is half dorky dad dance moves, half stripper, while Louis focuses on a select few funny moves he's been perfecting over the years. At some point, as the evening progresses, they start simply flailing and jumping around in each other's vicinity, both of them sweaty and laughing. At half past eleven, the lights turn off. At a quarter two, Harry changes the music to a slow playlist and they start swaying together, having a half-whispered conversation before the year begins. 
Any resolutions? Louis asked at five minutes before midnight. Harry's hands are somewhere on his back, and the way he's specifically not touching Louis's waist would feel very platonic except his touch burns through Louis's clothes where he keeps rubbing up and down his spine. Don't fuck up your sobriety, Harry says with a scoff, and Louis really should have guessed that one. Anything else? He's not sure why he's insisting, but somehow he needs to know. Harry's face is obscured, merely a shape in the dark, and Louis can't tell what's passing through his eyes the way he normally can. It's a surprisingly upsetting realization. To be braver, I think, Harry finally admits in a small voice. But you're already so brave, Louis says, taking a tiny step closer, whispering it against Harry's jaw. I don't always feel it, but thanks. I still think I could be braver still. Well, that's what I'm going to wish for you then, Louis says, voice a bit hoarse, raspy. A lot of bravery for your new life, for your new album, for your new everything. But what about you? Harry asks him. And Louis doesn't know, doesn't really subscribe to this idea of renewing oneself because the calendar says so. Not when he's so proud of where and who he is. Control, Louis says seriously. Then he smiles. Because I'm thinking about decreasing my sweets intake and that's going to be rough. Harry laughs right on schedule. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Tougher than mine. I'm not that bad, Louis says, even though he woke up with two caramel wafer wrappers underneath his pillows a few days ago. Seriously, though, I just want to keep being me. I want to keep living here and keep meeting the incredible people who pass through, whether they stay a day or months. Louis feels that when Harry takes a step forward as he spins them around, their bodies flush together. It's inspiring, you know, Harry says almost conversationally, the way you're so settled. Makes me think it's possible to feel that way, that this agitation of mine isn't forever. Louis hums, then looks up at Harry's face, what he can't see of it in the starlight. Troubled seas never are, he says sincerely. He should know. He watches it change and move every single day observes its most disturbed moments and the way it always smooths eventually. They're looking at each other silently when the alarm on Louis's phone beeps, taking them both out of the moment. Midnight, Harry whispers against his face. Louis doesn't think he's ever wanted to kiss someone so desperately in his entire life. He leans in, inhales shakily with nerves, anticipation, then tilts his head away. Harry trusts him. In a world where everyone expects something from him, he trusts Louis. And Louis, Louis never wants to be one of those people who takes from him, who want and ask and demand, never wants to lose that trust he doesn't feel he's earned. He's not going to be a vulture. He refuses. So, he tilts his head away. Happy New Year, Harry, he says, clenching his jaw. Happy New Year, Louis, Harry replies before wrapping him into a fierce hug. This is fine, too, Louis thinks, burying his head in Harry's shoulder. It's probably better. Harry's guitar arrives in the middle of the second week of January. He never mentioned he was expecting it, but one morning, 
Louis is busy repainting a bed frame upstairs when he hears the front door creak open and loud, heavy footsteps walking in. He frowns, a little confused. He's pretty sure Harry is still riding in the tower. He's been hiding up there since coming back from his daily walk with Cliffy. Louis would definitely heard him leave. Besides, Harry is a lot quieter, moves around the world and murmurs like a ghost. He's trying to escape the inquisitive glances of strangers. Louis has now come to understand. There's no way that heavy-footed stranger is him. Louis' suspicions are confirmed when a loud Scottish voice says, Knock, knock, while banging on something. Maybe the reception desk, Louis guesses. He smiles when he recognizes the voice, though. Should have known as soon as he heard someone walking in, and he puts his paintbrush aside before getting up and stretching his back a little. I'm up here, McLean, Louis calls, exiting the room and walking towards the stairs. Just coming down now, he adds, probably unnecessarily. The first thing he sees when he's back on the ground floor is the postman leaning against the reception desk casually, broad-shouldered as ever and towering in the entryway. He's got his faithful red royal mailbag on his shoulder and is holding a beige guitar case in his hands. Delivery for your guest, McLean says when he catches Louis's eyes. A man in his early 40s, McLean and his wife moved to Fair Isle long before Louis ever set foot on it, thinking it would be the dream lifestyle for them. They fell in love with the island almost as fast as they fell out of love with each other, and they adored the place so much neither of them wanted to move away in the separation process, which apparently led to some awkward first months of divorce if the rest of the village is to be trusted. But now they live apart and are quite good friends. Louis doesn't know a lot of people who would be comfortable living in the same tiny community as their ex, and he's always admired McLean for his easygoing attitude towards it all. McLean puts the guitar on the floor and reaches into his bag, fiddling with the contents until he finds the paperwork he needs and puts it on the counter. That's great, Louis says, taking a few steps forward, leaning down to grab the guitar case. McLean tuts at him disapprovingly and Louis freezes, fingers a few inches from the guitar. What? Need a signature, don't I? The postie replies, shaking his head. For a, uh... He looks down at the paperwork. Mr. Twist? I can sign for it, Louis says, getting back up and reaching for the papers. McLean hisses and swats Louis' hand away like he's a fly. He shakes his head. Sorry, pal. Can't do that. Since when are you such a stickler for the rules? Louis laughs, putting one hand on his hip. Since someone paid a lot of money for this to be delivered securely. Louis gasps. So what? You don't trust me? He asks, punching McLean on the shoulder jokingly with that real force behind the gesture. Don't be such a bother, Tomlinson, and go get your guests so I can get back to my sheep. Mail delivery isn't my only job, you know, and this is my last package of the day. I did know that, actually. I've lived here a long time, Louis replies, just to wind him up. McLean isn't someone Louis would necessarily call a close friend, but they get on. The postman sighs, shaking his head again. He's been doing that a lot. Do I need to go hunt for Mr. Twist myself? If you let me sign for it. Louis starts before laughing loudly. He's in the tower, he finally says seriously. I'll go and get him. When Louis walks up the stairs and into the lantern room, Harry's notebook is open on the chest and he's fiddling with the recording app on Louis' phone. So that's where my mobile is, Louis comments instead of saying hello. Harry doesn't bother to look up. You forgot it up here and I had an idea for a melody, he says, switching apps. I'm just emailing it to my manager. He doesn't write songs, obviously, but it'll give him an idea of what I'm working on.
Thanks for letting me use it. Actually, you're using it without permission, Louis reminds him, though it's not like he needed it this morning, or like he actually minds. Oh, you don't mind, Harry says flippantly. Was giving him my phone password a mistake? Louis asked to an invisible audience, looking up dramatically and sighing. I don't think so, Harry pipes up, and when Louis looks back at him, he's finally looked away from the phone and is grinning. Yeah, well, you're not exactly an unbiased party, are you? Louis says, taking a step forward and poking Harry in the cheek. There's a delivery for you downstairs, by the way. Posty won't let me sign for it, so you'll have to come down. Harry's eyes widen and start sparkling. He clearly knows what's waiting for him. A delivery? Yes, Louis says, stretching the S sound. And you seem to know exactly what it is, so don't keep him waiting. At that, Harry drops the phone and scrambles to get up, almost falling down in his attempt, steadying himself on Louis's shoulder to prevent it. You all right? Louis asks, reaching carefully for Harry's waist to help him stay upright. Yeah, yeah, he agrees, and suddenly he's gone, running down the stairs. By the time Louis has made it back to reception, McLean is already leaving, and Harry is looking at his guitar case with a look of wonder on his face, partly childish but mostly devoted. It takes him a few seconds to even realize that Louis is there. When he does, he looks away from the case and gives Louis a soft smile. I called my manager a while back, asked him to send me this. I figured, if I'm getting back into it, might as well do it properly, right? Right, Louis agrees. It's a bit weird to think about Harry leaving. Harry going back to his faraway universe of celebrities and screaming fans, even though it's clearly where he belongs. Would you play it for me? He can't stop himself from asking. Play what? Harry asks. The melody, Louis says, the one from before. Oh, Harry blushes. It's, it's nothing yet. It's just noise. I woke up with it stuck in my head and haven't been able to shake it. But it'll be something someday? Harry shrugs. Hopefully? Then you should play it for me, so I can tell how much it's evolved once it's finished. Harry laughs. Why would you want to be able to tell that? Dunno, Louis replies honestly. He takes a step forward, grabbing Harry's elbow and leaning him towards the living room. Just a way I get to know you better, I guess. After that, Harry very kindly obliges him. It's a Styles, by the way. Harry says randomly on a Monday night while they're eating homemade fish and chips. Pardon? Louis replies, mouth half full. He swallows, then chuckles. Sorry, he says, grabbing a napkin to wipe the grease off his fingers. My last name, Harry explains, popping a chip into his mouth. Louis blinks at him, wearing his best, unimpressed look. Pardon? He says again. Harry smirks. You heard me. So, Harry Styles. Louis tries it on, nodding a little. Is that like a stage name or... It sounds a bit too perfect, a bit too gimmicky to be real as far as Louis is concerned. Nope, Harry insists, grabbing another chip. It's my dad's last name. Your dad's last name isn't Styles, Louis says confidently. There's no way there's a man out there who was born with a name like Harry Styles. That's so ridiculous. If Louis was asked to create a pop star name for Harry right here and now, he wouldn't even suggest that because of how outlandish it sounds. Oh, but it is. Harry insists. You can Google it. The comment throws Louis off a little and he sighs, torn up between annoyed and surprised. 
What is it with your obsession over me Googling you? He asks, unable to resist. That's twice you've mentioned it now. He pauses as an idea quickly forms in his brain. Are you testing me? What? Harry says, looking more startled than caught, though Louis wouldn't dismiss his theory yet. No, I mean, not on purpose. I just... Harry shrugs, looking a little helpless. I I don't know. I know you said it didn't matter to you, but it felt weird for you to not actually know my name, all right? I just wanted to tell you. I wouldn't have offered for you to Google it if you disbelieved me when I said it's Styles, to be honest. A long pause settles between them, stretches and stretches, until Louis decides to speak again. Fair enough. I still think it's absolutely ridiculous that you're actually named Harry Styles. Were your parents planning on you becoming famous or what? Harry laughs. No, not really. They've always supported my singing, and my mom was the one who signed me up for the X Factor, but it wasn't like they were planning for it or anything. They're not that kind of pushy parents. It's the first time Harry's given him any hints as to how and why he became famous so young, and Louis wants to press in and dig a little deeper, wants more information, and feels a bit dizzy with it. Quickly, he calms himself down, reminds himself he's going at Harry's pace, not his own frantic and inquisitive one. You were just fated to make it, Louis teases instead of asking more questions. It's worth not getting his answers for the way Harry smiles back at him, part amusement, part relief. Maybe, Harry shrugs. I think most of it is probably luck rather than fate, he says before starting to eat again. But who knows, he adds as he swallows a big bite. He frowns, a little thing directed at his plate. Louis is about to ask him what's wrong with the food when Harry speaks again. Maybe it's the opposite of luck, he says darkly. Whatever that is. A karma? Louis jokes, and it really makes Harry laugh, snorting inelegantly before he puts his hand over his mouth and knows to muffle the sound. If I said anything like that in public, I'd probably be lynched. Harry manages to say through his laughter. I mean, who am I to complain? It's not like I don't live a privileged life. It dampens the mood a little, all this talk of bad karma and luck, and the intangible place where they intertwine uncomfortably, interpreted in vastly different ways depending on which way a head tilts. It's all right, you know, Louis finally says after a while. What? If you were testing me, it'd be all right. I wouldn't mind. He says it slowly, carefully, as he measures his words, wanting the message to come across as plainly as possible. I'd get it, he says offhandedly. He means it too, truly. It's impossible to take it as an attack on his own character when he can only guess how vicious people have been to Harry in the past. It's not like you can trust just anyone. Harry pauses, putting a small piece of fish back onto his plate without eating it. Yeah, he agrees, and his face really says it all. The way he closes himself off, eyes troubled, and avoiding Louis's direct gaze. He's been betrayed before. Louis isn't stupid enough not to have guessed that already. Obviously, I'm not going to, like... Louis clears his throat, suddenly a little uncomfortable. He fiddles with his plate, biting his lip lower, and trying to find a non-dramatic way of saying what he wants to say. When it becomes obvious he can't think of anything, Louis simply says, 
betray you or whatever, anything like that. It comes out a little more clumsily than Louis intended, and he starts talking again to try and divert attention from that fact. I mean, I know that, he declares sternly. I know that for a fact, but you don't. He adds the last part softly. I do know, Harry argues, interrupts, looking a bit offended on Louis's behalf. I told you before, I wouldn't have shared so much stuff with you if I didn't think you could be trusted. I know that, and I'm very touched. Louis pauses, taking a deep breath. All I'm saying is that it's okay if there's a part of you that doesn't know. If there's a part of you that thinks I need to be tested or whatever, I'm not bothered. I'm not offended. But Harry, no matter how many times you instruct me to do it, I'm not going to suddenly be tempted to Google you or screw you over. Honestly, I couldn't care less about Harry Styles. Louis says the last part jokingly, winking at Harry, thinking he's going to make him smile at least, but he doesn't say anything for a while. Harry? Louis finally asked after a moment, voice dripping with uncertainty. I'm not sure what to say. Louis snorts. When he speaks again, he has to look away, a bit scared he's going to look too fond, too eager. Well, you don't have to say anything. Oh my god! The screaming comes from upstairs and Louis freezes, both hands in the sink as he drops his mug of tea, half-washed. He turns off the hot water tap with a frown, heartbeat increasing, listening for more. Oh my god, Louis! Harry screams again, starting to run down the stairs and Louis's heart squeezes painfully in his chest, fear bubbling up as his mind races between various apocalyptic scenarios that could have Harry shouting across a cottage like this. He runs out of the kitchen with his hands still soapy and slams into Harry's body in the corridor. He grabs onto his shoulders, studying them both, making sure they don't fall over. Are you all right? Is everything okay? Louis asks, eyes roaming Harry's face, Harry's body trying to see if he's injured. Is it Clifford? Oh my God, you have to come. Harry says excitedly, eyes wide and sparkly, turning around and leading the way. What? Louis says, shaking his head, confused by the whiplash. Come, Harry says, looking back and reaching for one of Louis's wet hands tangling their fingers together and dragging him forward. It's incredible. You have to come and see. See what? Louis replies, still confused, as Harry drags him through the corridor and pushes the front door open, leading them both into the darkness. Look! Harry exhales, stopping a few meters away from the lighthouse, not close enough to the cliffs for it to be dangerous. Look at the sky! He exclaims, tightening his grip on Louis's hand. And of course, Louis looking. Louis looking at the illuminated sky, ribbons of color shifting, swirling over the stars like beams of light, dancing with the universe, making them seem so small, so unimportant. Greens that move and suddenly seem blue, purples transcending into pinks, like they're twirling around the blow of the Scottish winds. Oh my God, Harry keeps whispering. Oh my God. Louis looks away from the sky for a second, takes a step forward, looking at Harry's face. He's enthralled, breathing labored from the sheer excitement, and Louis can see it, can see the smoke coming out of his mouth, and he'd forgotten it was cold for a second there. He'd forgotten he ran out of the house without a jacket on at night in the winter, with Harry's hand in his and the abstract painting created for them by the laws of nature. Louis can't find it in himself to care. This is one of the most incredible things I have ever seen, Harry says, eyes never leaving the sky. Louis feels his face soften into a small smile. Have you never seen the Northern Lights before? 
Harry shakes his head. No, I, I didn't know they were so... <laughs> he laughs. Are they very common? He finally asks after a beat. Libby hums. Winter's a really good time for them, and we've got a pretty good location, of course. I can't believe it, Harry says, overjoyed, overwhelmed. Photos don't do them justice at all. It's... He falters, unable to find the words. Louis chuckles on an exhale, finally looking away from Harry's profile and back at the sky. No, he agrees. I suppose they don't. They stand there holding hands, silently watching for who knows how long, and Louis doesn't feel the cold, doesn't feel the wind. He doesn't feel anything except for the warmth of Harry's body against his, the weight of his hand in Louis's, the contagion of his joy. They watch until the lights vanish, and when they do, Louis closes his eyes, still holding Harry's hand, silently wishing he could stretch this moment just a little longer. Okay, chapter seven. Harry kisses him for the first time on his birthday. February brings the uncomfortable knowledge that Harry's time on the island is almost over. A painful and constant thought in the back of Louis's mind that he's tried hard to suppress so far but can no longer ignore. It hurts sharply to be reminded that Harry is someone Louis is destined to lose, but he does his best to ignore the bitter sweetness of it, choosing instead to focus on making the day as special as possible for the birthday boy. Harry is only going to turn 25 once, and despite his insistence that he doesn't want anything, no fuss for Mr. Popstar, please. Louis isn't going to leave such a milestone pass unnoticed. He might know that it is a meaningless one, but that doesn't mean he'll let his boy not be celebrated properly. In the morning, Louis forgoes cooking breakfast and his jog, dragging Harry to Mrs. Clark's bakery for coffee instead, both of them gorging themselves on her breakfast rolls and fancy pastries taking their time chatting and eating with Clifford sitting between their feet under the table. Louis smiles fondly as he watches Harry animatedly tell a funny story from one of his tours, something about a technical mishap that left him awkwardly standing on stage in front of 20,000 people while his tech people buzzed around him like flies. Louis forgets sometimes in the quiet way Harry behaves that he's a big fucking deal. Louis laughs in all the right places, teasing Harry the way he knows he loves to be teased, loving when his cheeks redden under the attention, cheeks dimpling and eyes sparkling. Despite it all, despite the jokes and the laughter, there's a hint of sadness underneath Harry's storytelling that Louis thinks might always be there, a dark undercurrent associated with fame that Harry will probably never fully shake off. A melancholia Louis can easily sense in the way the corner of Harry's mouth moves, the way his head tilts. Still, the morning passes pleasantly. Louis feeding Harry more and more pastries while he, in turn, shares stories about his adolescent antics. Finally, a little past what would be considered an acceptable lunchtime, Harry declares himself way too full to eat anything else, and Louis pays their bill taking the opportunity to grab the birthday cake he ordered especially the week before when Harry exits the bakery first with Clifford, letting him stretch his legs happily in front of the store. 
It's chocolate, decadent, and way too big for only two people who have been stuffing their face off all day. But what the hell, it's a special occasion. There are fancy gold letters spelling Happy Birthday Harry on the icing. The rest of the cake simple and void of decoration. It's perfect. When Louis finally joins Harry outside, he smirks at his eyes winding at the size of the box. If that's cake, I truly cannot, Harry declares dramatically. Clifford's leash wrapped around one of his hands and the other rubbing against his belly. It's your birthday, Louis says firmly, leading them out of the town towards the road that goes back to the lighthouse, Clifford running ahead, happy to be outside and without a restraining leash. You are eating cake. They walk back in comfortable silence, their arms grazing each other through their clothing. Every time their fingers accidentally brush together, they break apart, putting some distance between their bodies only to end up back at the start. Louis with his heart in his throat and his fingers itching to grab Harry's hand. When they get inside of the lighthouse, Louis leads them down the cliffs towards the beach. The sun is shining through the clouds, a surprisingly clear and crisp winter day he would hate to waste inside. Quickly enough, they're both sprawled on the sand together. The day beautiful despite the cold, and Louis gets Harry to eat at least a small part of his birthday cake, humming happy birthday to him under his breath while Harry laughs and brushes crumbs off his face. Clifford is sleeping on Harry's lap, sighing into his creamy white jumper every few minutes while Harry licks the last few crumbs off his fingers. Well, the afternoon is yours, Louis declares from Harry's right once he's done eating. He hasn't planned anything beyond breakfast, wanting to do whatever Harry wished for, wanting to truly make it his day. Let's stay here, Harry says quietly, closing the cake box and putting it aside for later. The H-A-R of his name now gone, shared between the two of them. Aren't you cold? Harry shakes his head, hair going crazy in every direction because of the wind. That strong Scottish breeze they can never escape, especially not near the water like this. Of course, he's got a lap full of warm dog to keep him comfy while Louis is freezing under his jacket, but he'd never say a word. Not today, not ever. All right, Louis whispers mostly to himself, agreeing without second thoughts, and it's still so scary the way this feels. We'll stay right here. So they do, silent and peaceful, watching the waves. I love the ocean, Harry admits after a while. I always went to the water whenever it got to be too much back in L.A. Yeah? Louis prompts, looking away from the sea and into Harry's face. Harry nods. Yeah, he confirms, an absent look on his face. Briefly, Louis wonders if he's mentally back on some warmer, trendier beach right now. But his eyes refocus on Louis, hesitant as he speaks again. Sometimes, all those eyes on me, he begins before shaking his head. All the lies they saw when they looked at me, all the truths. He lowers his head. I felt dirty, he says, a small admission. But the water... The water is cleansing. The waves keep coming no matter what, no matter who you are, making you feel brand new. You can lose yourself in the water, turn invisible. The entire world disappearing except for you. It's why I missed England so much, I think. Not enough rain in California.
Louis agrees, familiar with the feeling. Sometimes you just need a good rainy day to clean yourself of the bad ones. He's always loved the way the earth smells fresh after a rainy day. Like maybe there's hope to make things right this time. The whole world damp but purified. Harry smiles, uselessly pushing a curl behind his ears, fighting the wind. Exactly. Well, it's certainly not raining. rain we're lacking here in Scotland, Louis says teasingly. It's why I love the island so much. Harry looks to his lap, refusing to meet Louis' eyes, slowly petting down the length of Clifford's body. No one for miles and miles and plenty of water for me to be reborn. Louis gulps, heart tightening when Harry talks like that. Most people Louis knows would argue there's no poetry in pop music, that it's all manufactured nonsense lacking depth. But the way Harry expresses his feelings so plainly, yet so beautifully... It's like every word falling from his lips is a pearl, a poem waiting to happen, just looking for the right ears to appreciate it. And me, Louis can't help but add, there's no one for miles and miles and plenty of water, and there's Louis. He can see the hint of a dimpled smile beneath the curtain of curls. Harry is still looking down at who Louis can't help but think of as their dog now. How did this happen so fast? What has he gotten himself into? And you, Harry agrees in a whisper. You don't count, though, he says after a beat, and a more insecure person would read rejection into it. But Louis has slowly watched them tiptoe around each other, softening around each other for months now. He knows exactly what it means, the feelings hidden underneath. You don't count as people. Those vultures who take and take and take. The people, with their never-closing eyes, demanding more and more and more. Demanding things Harry doesn't know how to give. Demanding until Harry was empty right down to the foundation of himself. But Louis, with the pit of one in his lower belly, can't agree or take the compliment. I do, though, Louis replies, bitter, sad. I'm just like everyone else. He sighs, passing a frustrated hand through his fringe, barely noticing the way his fingers shape from the cold. I want, he says, meeting Harry's eyes with a desperate gaze. I want so much from you. The admission stings on his tongue with something akin to shame and regrets that he was weak enough to let it slip. He wishes he could read Harry's face the way he's gotten so used to but he's met with a completely blank expression and wide green eyes. Then, surprisingly, or maybe not, Harry shakes his head slowly. No, he replies with a tender voice, leaning towards Louis, one of his hands tangling into the hoodie underneath his jacket as he presses their lips together. It lasts a second, less than maybe, still a moment in the way it reshapes Louis' existence. No? Louis asks, whispers against Harry's lips, ignoring the offending huff Clifford makes between them, unhappy his cushion moved. No, Harry repeats. Not like everyone else. Not like everyone else at all. You make everything else quiet. Everything else disappears when I look at you. Louis doesn't know what to say, doesn't know if it's a good or a bad thing, doesn't know if it should scare him a bit. So he closes his mouth, stays silent, looking into Harry's eyes, and he just kisses Harry again and again on that cold beach, 
delighting in the little sighs falling from his lips, burying his fingers in the tangles of Harry's hair, laughing against each other's mouths when a particularly strong gust of wind erupts around them, or when Cliff starts to wiggle between their bodies, tired of feeling ignored. He chooses to waste the afternoon with the taste of Harry on his tongue, and not say a thing. Later, much later, after they've had dinner and after Louis serenaded Harry with a particularly horrendous rendition of Happy Birthday that ended with him falling from the top of the piano into Harry's waiting arms, they're washing the dishes, shoulders pressed together. Thank you, Harry says, nudging their shoulders together as he dries the B&B's fancy wine glasses they used to drink slower, playing fancy for his birthday without putting Harry's sobriety at risk. That was the best birthday I've had in years. Louis smiles, crinkly-eyed and knowing. And I haven't even given you your gift yet. He resists the urge to wriggle his eyebrows suggestively. Harry hums. You've given me plenty, he replies, putting the dry glasses on the counter. Good, because I didn't know what to give to a rich pop star who can buy himself the world, so don't expect anything brilliant, Louis jokes, hating the hint of insecurity hidden underneath his teasing that he knows Harry will probably be able to pick up easily. Harry smiles, his red mouth fond as the corners of it turn up, before pushing Louis softly against the kitchen counter, pressing their bodies together with his hands firm against Louis's waist as he bridges the distance between them and kisses him. It's a big movie star kiss, an overwhelming connection of their two bodies, something that has no place in a lighthouse in the middle of nowhere something that's too big for Louis's small life. He moans, letting Harry deep in the kiss, choosing not to worry and let himself enjoy the way his fingers slide into Harry's curls, choosing to cherish this moment for exactly what it is, an anomaly, an outlier. Almost already a fond and unbelievable memory Louis goes back to when the loneliness of his chosen existence creeps in. Harry sweeps him off his feet without even trying, and Louis... Louis wants us too much to worry about the consequences. They kiss soft and they kiss deep, letting time slow down just for them, until Harry finally separates their mouths, looking into Louis's eyes with almost unbearable intensity. He's panting a little, one of his hands holding the nape of Louis's neck, the other still holding on to his waist. Every touch of his skin is an anchor, stopping Louis from floating away from this moment. I'll treasure anything you give me, Harry says sincerely, pressing their foreheads together. Just because it's from you. When he opens the present later that night, Harry cries. Louis wasn't lying. It's truly nothing special or expensive. Just a framed picture of the three of them, cuddled up on the beach, that Mrs. Dunn had the kindness to take, stopping her walk to her tiny dog's annoyance just to help them out. It's not a perfect photo, Clifford a happy blur at their feet, but the sea is a stormy, dark blue, the waves beautiful and majestic behind them. More importantly, Harry looks happy. His head is slightly bowed down at his laugh as he's laughing at one of Louis's jokes as recorded for prosperity, two massive crescent dimplings in his cheeks. And Louis, Louis is exposed and vulnerable, not looking at the camera at all, not wanting to miss a second of Harry's reaction, his eyes crinkling with a fondness he'd normally not want to advertise. But Harry is going away soon, and this, this is the version of himself that he wants him to remember. 
On the back of the frame, Louis's loopy and uneven handwriting labels the piece. Harry, Louis, and Clifford, Scotland, 2019. It's so you don't forget us, Louis admits, hating the way his voice wavers a little. He clears his throat. When you go back to record those songs you've been writing, he adds. He's not looking for confirmation or denial. He knows Harry's leaving. Knows someone like him can never belong to just one person or one place. Knows he'd be wrong to expect it. Knows he'd be wrong, selfish, to want him to. Harry nods and he's not denying he's leaving. He never would. Still, there are tears in his eyes. An emotion Louis can't read on his face. Something like awe and disbelief. So I don't forget myself again, he mumbles, mostly to himself. Fingers shaky as he traces the inscription before looking at the photo again. All that water. And Louis. Later that night, they climb the stairs to the lantern room in silence, Louis awkwardly holding a torch from behind Harry's body to light their way. Once they get to the top, peering through the windows into the darkness, it feels like the world stops, like they're right at the edge with nothing but the void ahead, the void around. Louis knows the ocean surrounds them, can hear the waves through the windows, the angry wind a reminder of how small they are. Somehow, the darkness feels embracing rather than scary, a warm blanket that's familiar and comforting. Just like Louis, Harry is lost in thought, frozen at the top of the stairs with seemingly no intentions to move towards the bench at all. Louis gives him a few seconds to find his bearing in the dark, but after a hint too long without movement, he presses a careful hand onto Harry's lower back, reminding him of his presence without pushing him forward. He scratches a little against the wool of the tacky jumper Harry is wearing, a red, yellow, and orange lozenge pattern, a patterned atrocity Louis let him borrow earlier after he spilt hot chocolate on his. It's barely illuminated by Louis's torch, but still, the pattern gives him a headache. Okay? Louis whispers against Harry's neck, tempted to let his hand wander, tempted to wrap his arm around Harry's waist to touch beyond what he's been allowed so far to continue the tame exploration he started when they kissed earlier on the beach. The want thrums beneath his skin, making his fingers itchy. But he doesn't. Instead, he takes a tiny step back when he hears Harry's raspy voice confirm he's all right. Louis breaks the silence, broke the spell, though, and Harry finally steps forward until he reaches the bench, sitting down and curling himself under a blanket straight away. He looks cozy, he looks soft, under the feeble light of Louis's torch, his curls messy, where Louis's fingers spent most of the afternoon buried. He blinks up slowly at Louis before reaching for a discarded book on the wooden chest and holding it out towards him. There's nothing particularly sexy about the way he sprawled against the cushion, most of his body hidden under the wool blanket except for one arm and one sock-covered foot, and yet Louis feels something tight and low in his belly. A desire he's become quite good at suppressing these past few months as he's gotten to know Harry. There's something heady about the knowledge that he might not have to talk himself off that ledge anymore, that he might get to curl up against him and touch now. He might get to touch all the places where Harry is soft and authentic. It's intoxicating. Read to me? Harry asks, his low voice sending chills down Louis's spine. 
Normally, Louis would tease him at least a little for being so needy, for making diva demands like the pop star that he is, but it's his birthday and Louis is far too gone to resist him. So he clears his throat, passing a shaky hand through his hair, trying to steady himself. Of course, he finally replies after a few seconds of charred silence, grabbing the book out of Harry's hand, their fingers grazing against each other for an instant before Louis settles down on the bench next to Harry, their shoulders touching. He smiles when he realizes it's a book Harry has been fiddling with for a while now, a collection of Edna St. Vincent Millay poems he's been thumbing through for weeks, folding the corners of his favorites and underlining passages when he thinks Louis isn't looking. Any specific requests? Louis teases as he tries to find a comfortable way to hold both the book and the torch, squirming against the cushions until Harry reaches for the torch and snatches it from Louis's hand. He cuddles up against Louis, putting his head on his shoulder and pointing at the book with the torch. Then Harry looks up to Louis expectantly. Just read, he says. Please, I love your voice. It's not the first time he said so, but Louis's heart still skips a beat like it is. Okay, he agrees, wrapping his free arm around Harry's shoulder and starting to read in a low voice, barely above a whisper. Even with the sound of the wind whistling through the windows, there's no need for more than that for the two of them. They've been at it for a while when Louis stumbles upon a poem that makes his throat constrict painfully, his voice shaky as he says words he knows Harry feels. A small line of black ink underneath the passage unnecessary for Louis to recognize it as such. Searching my heart for its true sorrow, this is the thing I find to be. That I am weary of words and people, sick of the city, wanting the sea. Harry sneaks the hand not holding the torch behind Louis's neck, gripping the skin there tight. Wanting the sticky, salty sweetness of the strong wind and shattered spray. Wanting the loud sound and the soft sound of the big surf that breaks all day. Louis continues to recite, his breath hitching when Harry presses a kiss to the exposed skin of his neck. Harry, Louis whispers, lowering the book against his knee and turning his head to look at him, at his expressive face partly illuminated by the torch. His lips parted in a silent question and his eyes wide, hungry. They stare at each other in silence and for a moment, Louis thinks this is torture. To want so much and so deeply, to be so close and yet still denied. But he'll never take that first step. Not when Harry has been pushed and pushed and pushed in the past. He'll wait all night with fire burning in his veins and his heart in his throat if he has to. Harry doesn't seem to be questioning everything in the same way, and suddenly, he lets the torch fall to the floor, rolling away from the bench and plunging them into darkness as it now illuminates only a small corner of the room far away from them. Then he fumbles for the book in the dark, his fingers cold against Louis for a second as he grabs the poem collection and lets it drop to the floor with a small thud before climbing on top of Louis's lap to kiss him. Louis moans as their lips meet. As Harry's hand grabs onto his neck, his thumbs rubbing soft circles against Louis's jaw. He can't believe they waited until today to do this, not when they're so good at it. When their bodies click in a way Louis isn't sure he wants to ponder too longer. 
Slow, heated, Harry takes what he wants and Louis is happy to let him lead, straightening up to follow Harry's mouth and grabbing at his waist gently. After a while, Louis sneaks his hands under Harry's jumper to touch bare skin. A hint of smugness rises through him at the way he shivers in response. They kiss and kiss and kiss, Louis's fingers digging into the muscles of Harry's lower back, sliding under the waistband of his jeans, teasing at the curve of his backside, until Harry tenses at Louis's forwardness, stopping the kiss abruptly with the palm of his hands pressed against Louis's chest. Louis lets go of Harry's body immediately, his arms falling open on the bench, hard in his throat at the thought he's overstepped a boundary he didn't even know was there. Harry is wide-eyed, looking a little shocked, a little remorseful of what he's just done, though Louis can't tell if it's the kiss or pushing Louis away that he regrets. He's panting from his perch on Louis's thighs, and suddenly, Louis worries it might be a panic attack. Without meaning to, he lifts his right hand in concern, automatically reaching for Harry's shoulder to soothe him with his touch before he remembers himself, remembers the way he was just pushed away, and he stops, hand hovering awkwardly for a moment. Before Louis has a chance to move away, though, Harry reaches for that hand, tangling their fingers together, tight, crushing, a little painful. There's something about the way he's holding on to Louis, something in the desperation and fear of that grasp. Like maybe he thinks Louis would ever leave him hanging, would ever let him go in a time of need. Louis grips him right back as tightly, a reassuring pulse that makes Harry take a deep breath. He brings both of their hands to rest on his thigh, not losing his grip at all, eyes fixed on the way their fingers intertwine together. Louis follows his gaze, admiring the way his silent, slightly smaller hand fits into Harry's, taking in the feeling of Harry's guitar calluses against his skin. Hey, he whispers, as reassuring as he can, something in him coming loose with relief when he feels Harry's body relax slightly at the sound of his voice. Hey, Harry whispers back. Using his free hand to brush Louis's hair off his forehead, his touch hesitant but gentle. He's not looking into Louis's eyes, gaze still locked onto their hands. Hey, he says again, a bit more determined this time, green eyes flicking up as he leans down towards Louis again. Louis closes his eyes when Harry lets their lips brush against each other, soft, feather-like. When he opens them up again, Harry is looking straight ahead, beyond Louis, through the glass and into the dark, stormy night. You okay? Louis can't help but ask, uselessly, when the answer is evidently no. Harry shakes his head with a small huff, and his lips curling into a tiny grimace, barely visible in the corner of his mouth like maybe he's embarrassed. It's just... He stops himself, and Louis automatically tightens his hold on Harry's hand in response. I, I haven't... Not since... Harry trails off, eyes still fixed somewhere on the horizon. There's not much to see, not in the middle of the winter night like this, but Louis wonders if there's something about the void and the sound of the waves crashing against the cliffs around them that Harry finds reassuring, too. He wouldn't be the first troubled soul to find kinship in the perpetual storm that brews on the island. Louis, who has made a home out of it now, would know. Louis hums, rubbing his free hand slowly up and down Harry's thigh where he's perched on Louis's lap, 
His touch purposefully slow and soothing. There's nothing sexual about it anymore, no heat or impatience, just solace. After a few beats, Harry tries again. I haven't, I haven't done this sober in a really, really long time, he finally admits. Then he chuckles, a half-hearted thing, as he keeps looking through the glass of the lighthouse tower. He sounds embarrassed, and even in the darkness, Louis can see a blush sweating on the top of his cheeks. I don't know why that seems like such a big deal, suddenly. He whispers, still unable to meet Louis' eyes. It's stupid, he adds a bit angrily, his shoulders hunched like he's trying to hide. There's always been a vulnerability to the way Harry holds himself. From the first second Louis saw him waiting at the door, and it's never been more evident than now. He is like the most beautiful flower Louis has ever seen, seconds away from blooming, and still he's holding back, curling into himself shyly. Sometimes Louis hates the world that made him feel that way so sharply that it hurts, twisting his insides with a mixture of the ugliest of feelings. It's not stupid, he whispers back firmly, pressing the words against Harry's jaw. It's okay, he insists, his thumb still soft rubbing at Harry's thigh. The monster of want at the pit of his stomach can be tamed easily when Harry looks so fragile like this. Whatever you want, or don't want, babe. He continues into Harry's ear, his beard rubbing against the tentative stubble on Harry's cheek, the endearment falling from his lips easily. Louis loosens his grip on Harry's thigh and lets go of his hand, already moving his body away from him, putting some distance between them. He barely has time to move when Harry's hands catch his wrists. Louis looks up, meeting Harry's eyes for the first time in a while, and he feels his stomach clench and the burning determination painted on Harry's face, the desire flickering in his eyes like a guiding flame. Their eyes never leave each other as Harry slowly moves Louis's hands, guiding them towards his body, letting them slide under the wool of his jumper, Louis's fingers trembling as they touch the naked skin of Harry's lower belly for the first time as Harry guides him lower. Touch me, Harry whispers, leaning into Louis, pressing the words against his lips. Please. Louis smiles against Harry's mouth, then nods. He can do that. It's still completely dark when Louis wakes on the floor of the lantern room a few hours later. He shivers, half of his naked body exposed to the cold room the blanket covering him tangled below his waist and doing nothing to keep his torso warm. Automatically, he snuggles forward, his body curling even closer into Harry's, his nose burying itself in the curls at the nape of his neck. His right arm tightens its hold onto Harry's waist from under the jumper he had the wisdom to put back on, his fingers trying to steal some of the warmth from Harry's body as their naked legs tangle further together. He has no idea what time it is, no idea how long they've been sleeping there on the rug, but he's tempted to let himself drift off again, despite the discomfort. Harry's body is pliant and soft, and inviting a bone Louis wants to sink into forever. But Harry starts shivering in his sleep, despite the fact he's more dressed than Louis is, and he can't, in good conscience, leave him to sleep so uncomfortable. The torch batteries have long given out, but still... Louis takes a second to peer at Harry in the darkness, the hint of his lean legs under the blanket, the slope of his nose, the curves of his eyelashes, his big heart that feels too much, 
the one he had to rip from his sleeve on the road to fame, but that Louis can't help but still see through every careful word coming out of Harry's mouth, every gesture, every breath. It's a lot, Louis thinks, closing his eyes for a second and gulping. His fingers are still pressed against Harry's belly and he slides his hands up until it rests against his waist, gripping him a hint tighter. Harry, he whispers gently right into his ears before pressing a kiss against his temple. Love? Harry hums, tilting his head slightly. He's still shivering. Come on, darling. Louis whispers encouragingly, sitting up and using his hand not on Harry's waist to brush his hair off his face. Louis repeats the movement when Harry hums contentedly and leans into the touch, indulging him for a second before trying to wake him up again. Come on, wake up, babe. He continues louder this time, thumb digging into Harry's love handle with a bit more force. It's late. We gotta get you to bed, yeah? Harry's eyelashes flutter and he groans, a small protest, before he tries to curl further into himself to keep warm. I'm cold, he mumbles, pressing a freezing foot against Louis's calf. Louis chuckles. I know, that's why we gotta get you to a proper bed, with a duvet and everything. No, Harry says, a hint petulant, reaching for Louis's hand on his waist, trying to get him to warm up his arms around him properly. Big spoon me, he demands. Louis can't help the burst of laughter that escapes his lips. He is fully awake now, and he knows there's no way he can let Harry sleep on the floor of the tower in February, especially not half-naked. Still again, he indulges him by wrapping his arm around Harry's body, rubbing his hand against the wool of his jumper to create heat. Who knew post-coital Harry would be such a brat? Louis teases before pressing a kiss to his shoulder. How about if I promise to big spoon you? He says in a poor imitation of Harry's low drawl once we get to bed. And if I promise, you won't have to go too far. Harry doesn't reply, doesn't even move, and Louis suspects he might be falling asleep again, so he jostles him a little, gently but firmly. Come on, love, just a few stairs and then we can share my bed, yeah? Hmm. Hmm? Louis repeats, still teasing. Okay, Harry mumbles. Don't fall back asleep. Louis warns, untangling himself from Harry completely and swearing under his breath as he tries to grab his clothes scattered across the room quickly in the dark. Finally, after a bit of stumbling and stubbing his toe against the chest of the middle of the room, Louis grabs Harry's pants, jeans, and socks and gets back to the little nest they made for each other. Are you asleep again? Louis asks, fonder than he would let himself be if he knew Harry was awake. Yeah, of course you are. He shakes his head with a sigh, a treacherous smile in the corner of his mouth. He drops the clothes next to Harry's body, leaning over him to kiss his forehead. Hey, sleep, sleepyhead, he says, booping Harry's nose with his index. We had a deal. Mom, awake. Uh-huh. Mm. To demonstrate the veracity of his claim, Harry wiggles his toes under the blanket. Louis smiles despite himself, grabbing one of Harry's feet from over the blanket and squeezing once before freezing it, freeing it from the material. Harry hisses at the cold, shoulders raising as he curls into further into himself, and Louis wastes no time putting his first sock on. 
He repeats the process for the other foot, kissing his roll-covered ankle once he's done. Then he pushes the blanket further up Harry's body, uncovering his calves, the stupidly endearing back of his knees, and just a hint of his thighs before stopping. Louis's hands are soft as he caresses the back of Harry's leg, a feather-like touch that has nothing to do with convincing Harry to get to bed, a touch that's just for Louis because he's allowed now. He's privileged beyond words. Harry shivers again, this time not from the cold, and he finally returns to on his back, his legs falling open on the rug, the blanket bunched up on his lap in a semblance of modesty. His eyes meet Louis's, sleepy but captivating, and Louis doesn't know where to look between the intensity of Harry's gaze and the milky white of his inner thighs. He might never get enough of this sight. Harry's face is lax with sleep, no masks in place to protect himself from scrutiny yet. One of his hands tangled in his hair, the other under his jumper on his lower belly. Slowly, purposefully, Louis grabs a blanket and slides it off to uncover Harry's body, arousal thrumming through his veins. Then, unable to stop himself, Louis leans down to kiss Harry's inner thigh, his thumb digging into the tiger tattooed up on his leg. He makes his way, lips soft but greedy, up, 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 until he feels Harry's hand grabbing the back of his head. Looking up, their eyes meeting, Louis feels lips turning up into a satisfied smirk when Harry nods and guides his mouth where he most wants it, fingers tight in Louis's hair. After, Louis kisses Harry's hip bone, his hands rubbing the outside of Harry's thighs for a few seconds before he kneels again, reaching for the forgotten pants and sliding them up Harry's legs. Then he crawls up his body to press a small kiss on Harry's mouth, still open and pant. Before Harry gets a chance to deepen the kiss, a chance to distract him, Louis leans away, tucking a sweaty curl off Harry's face. Bed, yeah? He whispers, a smile spreading over his face when Harry nods sleepily. Don't know if I can walk. Harry admits, boneless, red-cheeked, sated. Louis chuckles, pride blooming in his chest, and he looks down for a second before getting up, trying to hide his self-satisfied smirk. Then, he leans back down, grabbing Harry's forearm gently to help him up. When he stumbles a little, Louis wraps an arm around Harry's waist, pressing their bodies together and holding him in place. Okay? Louis asks. Harry yawns, then he nods. Want to put your jeans back on? Louis asks, laughing when Harry wrinkles his nose with distaste. He curls a little into Louis's body, trying to hide his face into Louis's neck mumbling something like, I'm cold, into Louis's skin. That's why you should put clothes on, baby. Louis teases before untangling Harry from his body, making sure he's holding himself properly. Then he bends down to grab the discarded wool blanket. It's soft and it's warm. Should do the trick as they walk back to Louis's bedroom, so he wraps it around Harry's shoulders like a cape, securing the corners into it into the collar of Harry's jumper, certain he wouldn't want to bother with holding it up. He kisses the tip of Harry's nose as the finishing touch, loving the way Harry smiles in response. Silently, carefully, they make their way down the stairs to the dark. Louis's hand on Harry's hip bone as he walks behind him and makes sure he's not tripping all over himself. He refuses to waste time regretting not looking for a working torch, focusing instead on making sure they both make it down the spiral staircase intact 
but as they stumble awkwardly pressed together, Louis can't help but think he's made a mistake. Still, they successfully reach the bottom of the stairs, then Louis's bedroom, the door partly open already. They're both so exhausted, Louis only has a passing thought for the fact that maybe his cabin-like room is embarrassing, that maybe he should feel ashamed of its size, of what it reveals about the state of his lonely existence to Harry for the very first time. But Harry simply yawns as he walks in, clearly too tired to pass any kind of judgment on Louis's living quarters. The creaking noises of the door wake up Clifford, who is sleeping on the floor beneath Louis's bed in their absence from the ground floor, and he gets up with a small bark, nosing at Harry's feet with curiosity. Hey, Cliffy, you beauty. Harry says in a soft, fond voice, despite the fatigue, extending an arm towards Clifford's face and letting his hand be licked. He yawns again, using his other hand to rub at his eyes, and Louis walks around his body to get to the dog. Okay, enough, boy. Louis warns kindly, pushing him away with gentle but forceful hands. Clifford obeys immediately, good boy that he is, curling back up in his spot straight away, big body dropping to the floor with a thud as he lets out a loud sigh. Louis smiles, turning to face Harry again. Just a few steps left, and then you can sleep, he announces, head tilting towards the ladder leading up to a single bed. Might be a bit tight, he says apologetically, still trying not to feel embarrassed. Louis isn't a lonely person exactly, and even when he is, he mostly finds it okay, his reclusive soul comfortable with days filled with only his own company. Yet the fear of being judged for choosing this existence, this existence where he only needs a tiny cramped bed for himself and no guests almost ever, never fully goes away. Especially in front of someone like Harry, someone he wants so desperately to cling to, someone he wants so desperately to keep, even though he knows he can't. Still, Harry just smells, sleepy, eyes half closed. Good, he replies, starting his ascent. You'll keep me warm. Louis inhales deeply, then closes the door fully behind them to avoid the draft, silently hoping Clifford would be able to stay put until they wake up naturally. He makes his way up the ladder, smiling to himself, when he sees Harry has already curled himself under Louis's duvet, facing the wall, and offering his back to Louis, the wool blanket still tightly wrapped around his shoulder. Louis molds himself to Harry's body, ankles to ankles, knees to knees, his arms tightly locked around Harry's waist, his hand flat against Harry's chest, feeling the soothing beats of his heart. It barely takes a few minutes for him to be lulled to sleep. Louis wakes slowly, going from a half-slumber, still dreamy state to fully alert with steady breaths, his hands searching for Harry's warmth before he opens his eyes to an empty space in front of him. He blinks twice before sitting up and looking around his room with confusion. The curtains on his window are open, and the sunlight is spilling into his room, concrete proof that he slept a lot longer than he normally would. With his internal clock all messed up, Louis untangles himself from the blankets, stretching his legs for a second, before starting to look under his pillow for his phone, eager to know what time it is. His hand comes up empty, and in a flash, he remembers leaving it in the lantern room the night before. He sighs, shaking his head at himself. He's not sure he can be bothered to pick it up before talking to Harry, before finding out where he's run off to. Louis gets out of bed, skipping the last few steps on the ladder in favor of jumping, hissing in discomfort when his naked feet hit the floor. He eyes the bathroom door for a second, 
his shower siren call attempting after the previous night's activities. Except Harry wasn't in bed with him when he woke up, is nowhere to be found so far, and Louis doesn't think he can wait to make sure he's okay, that he doesn't regret what happened. He turns toward his dresser, taking his top off and throwing it blindly towards the dirty laundry pile in the corner of his room. He sends a spare prayer to the universe that Harry somehow didn't notice the mess when he woke up, before grabbing a fresh jumper and throwing it on. He's too sleepy to dress to impress, so he grabs a clean pair of pants and some gray sweats, satisfied that his dark blue jumper at least matches his eyes. Besides, Harry has seen him in much more relaxed outfits before and kissed him anyway. If Louis gets his way, he'll spend most of the day with his mouth attached to Harry's again. Ideally, if Harry's willing, if he's still here. Louis shakes his head, dismissing the ridiculously anxious thought. Of course Harry is still here. Where else would he be? Bear Isles, less than five kilometers long, realistically, there are not many other places he could be. And he's paid to stay until March. There's absolutely no reason to read into the fact that Harry's left him to wake up alone. Finally dressed, Louis goes into the bathroom for a piss, washing his hands, his face, then cleaning his teeth before leaving his bedroom to walk back to the B&B section. His nerves settle down when he starts hearing noises coming from the kitchen, Harry's voice performing what sounds like a made-up song about breakfast. There's not much lyrics to the song, just a few scrambled eggs, pound de chocolat, orange juice, and croissant, with some deep la-la-la-la-las in between, but Louis physically has to stop in the corridor and take a few slow breaths with his hand pressed to his heart. His heart. How fucking cute. When Louis finally feels calm enough to walk into the kitchen, his face back to neutral and not fond beyond words can express, Harry looks caught red-handed, one of the previous B&B owner's aprons tied around his waist on the top of a stretched white tee. He's holding a pan with one hand, wearing what seems to be a pair of Louis sweats if the way they cut off just above his ankles is to be trusted. A vintage attack on the senses. The apron is made of white cloth with red and pink flowers, thrown around Harry's neck and tied to his waist with a bright red ribbon, two deep red pockets on each side of the skirt. The whole look is complete with a sweetheart neckline embellished with white lace, the color is a bit faded from use. Louis suspects the previous owner's wife wore it a lot and must have missed it when she realized she'd forgotten it on the island. Despite never using it himself, Louis never threw it away after the first time his sisters visited and they all had fun playing dress up in it. On Harry, it looks both ridiculous and endearing. It suits him and his silly breakfast song. You're awake, Harry frowns, putting the pan back on the stove. Sorry to disappoint, Louis says, tone a bit questioning. I was going to bring you breakfast in bed, Harry declares, pointing at his outfit like that somehow explains it. Ah, Louis nods, taking a step forward. He leans down to say good morning to Clifford, scratching him under his ears. Hey, babe, he whispers to the dog. I fed him and took him out, Harry says, and when Louis looks back to him, he smiles a little shyly. Figured you deserved a lion. Louis crunches his nose and smiles apologetically. Sorry to ruin your plans? It's okay, Harry shrugs, and they stand there awkwardly, neither of them quite knowing what to do or to say. Finally, after a few seconds, Harry turns back to the stove, mumbling something about the food being almost ready, his shoulders hunched forward. 
Louis rolls his eyes and huffs a small disappoint, a small sigh, disappointed in his own self, before walking next to Harry and reaching into one of the pockets of the apron, dragging him close with one sharp movement and pressing a loud kiss to his cheek. Hey, babe, he repeats, a satisfied and sharp feeling of pride in his chest when Harry smiles deeply in response. Hey, Harry replies. Thanks for making me food. Louis continues, kissing his cheek again. You look cute, he adds without thinking, blushing when he realizes what he's just said. I mean, not that all of your appeal lies in your physical appearance, obviously. He babbles, fiercely aware that Harry's image has been sold over and over again, a literal price tag attached to his face and body. What is physical beauty anyway? He poses the question with a vague hand gesture truly meaningless in the grand scheme of things. There's a small beat of silence before Harry squeaks a high-pitched laughter. He slaps a hand over his mouth in embarrassment before shaking his head. Are you done? He asks. Eyebrows raised and a look on his face like he knows exactly what Harry, what Louis was thinking and finds him both adorable and ridiculous at the same time. Oh, don't make fun of me, Louis mumbles. I'm not, Harry denies, turning the stove off. I appreciate that you have a frilly apron fetish and that you don't want to shag me for my physical appearance. I don't have a frilly apron fetish, Louis replies, pinching the skin of Harry's waist, laughing so much he can barely talk. No, really, Harry squeaks, leaning away from Louis's fingers. I can work with this. Trust me, I've seen more niche. It's much better than what I was imagining either way. What do you mean, work with this? Louis asks automatically before his brain catches up with what Harry said next. Wait, what were you imagining? He asks, pushing Harry away a little to look at his face. I like the fact that you were concerned about what I'm willing to do in the apron first and foremost. Harry wiggles his eyebrows. And nothing scandalous. Don't look like that. I just figured you might have a secret wife stashed away somewhere. Jane Eyre style. Louis dro- Louis's mouth drops open. A secret... He shakes his head, disbelieving. You found an apron that literally looks 50 years old in my kitchen cupboard, and your first thought was that I have a secret wife? Harry, I'm obviously very gay, and... He stops his rant when he sees the twinkle in Harry's eyes. Oh, I see. Are you done making fun of me now? Louis mumbles, folding his arms across his chest. Harry giggles, leaning down a little towards Louis to kiss the petulant frown off his face. Louis would push him away, just to be difficult, but he hasn't kissed Harry in a few hours now, basically a lifetime, and he hasn't forgotten his goal for the day, so he lets Harry kiss him and wraps his arm around his neck to start playing with his curls. After a while, Harry leans away. Food, he says sternly, pushing Louis towards the table. Can I help? You can sit down and let me take care of everything, Harry orders, buzzing with energy as he grabs plates. By the way, Louis starts as he sits down, smiling when Clifford walks to him and drops his head on Louis' thigh. I do think that beauty is meaningless, and that it has no link to someone's actual value as a person. I have a lot of little, little sisters, okay? I meant that speech. Harry looks over his shoulder to smell at him. I know, he replies. He turns back around, fiddling with some stuff on the counter before coming back to put a glass of juice in front of Louis. Orange juice, he declares, and Louis smirks. 
La 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 la. He sings softly, imitating Harry's song from before, laughing a little when he, he dimples and flushes. Yup, Harry replies before coming back with a plate of pastries he clearly bought from the cafe, and Louis's stomach tightens at the thought of Harry getting up early and walking all the way down to the village to get Louis pastries for breakfast. Thanks, Louis says, fingers soft on Harry's wrist. He grabs the apron with his other hand, dragging Harry down to kiss him. You didn't have to go all the way to Mrs. Clark's. Harry blinks, looking caught. I had to walk Cliff anyway, so... He shrugs dismissively, like it isn't a big deal, like it's nothing. But Louis can't remember the last time someone cooked cooked for him properly, the last time someone took care of him. With his job, he's always the one taking care of others, and while he likes that way very much... There's something softening in him as he's being fussed over for the first time in a long time. God, he wishes he didn't like Harry this much. Next, Harry puts plates with scrambled eggs and sausages on the table. He takes the apron off, putting it on the counter, before fluffing his hair with the delicate fingers. Then he grabs the empty chair in front of Louis, moving it so he can sit right next to him, kindly pushing Clifford out of the way, replacing the weight of Cliff's head on Louis's side with a feeling of Harry's pressed against it. Louis would kill a man for his dog, but this, this is much better. He can't help but think when Harry timidly reaches for Louis's hand, tangling their fingers on his thigh as they eat breakfast inconveniently one-handed.